0: Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Well, as you know, Pastor Jeff is out of town getting some much needed rest, so please pray for him. But God has prepared for us a feast, starting with the songs that you heard, communion, and now a message. Amen, amen. But before we do that, can you please turn to someone next to you and greet them? Amen. So for those who may not know me, I don't know if we have any guests here. If if we do, welcome. My name is Dave Parker, Jr. I am part of the great usher ministry we have here. (laughs) I like it. I like it. That excitement. (laughs) So yeah, so I've been here. Actually, I started attending here 29 years ago with my folks. But Me and my wife have been here 17 straight years. So connection is a blessing. So yeah, it's a blessing to be able to share a message with you today that I believe if we apply it to our lives, it will definitely help us grow in our relationship with God. Like all messages, I strive to adjust my own life to God's word, believing his truth will bring transformation. And that is what I believe it will bring to you as well. Something else I want to share with you guys before I go into it uh, Pastor Jeff and i don't discuss what we're going what our messages are going to be about we We pray and we believe that God is just going to show up and give us what we need um, so when when you hear me go into what I have to say um, it's very similar, and it's very encouraging to me because he's preached for years i 'm kind of new to it so <laughs> you see how similar it is. And that just is encouragement to me that helps me know that I'm on the right, you know, we're in one accord. Amen? So, um, yeah. Holy Spirit just, it's, it's a good way to learn to trust him. I'll just say that. <laughs> so, different message, different messengers. Right? Same. same message. Well, yes, same message. Thank you, Pastor Gay. <laughs> So for the last year and a half, our world has dealt with a lot of things, you agree? I mean, between the COVID pandemic, which is still going on, that nobody probably realized we would still be going through, Um, a lot of talk about politics, Um, we now have this stuff going on in Afghanistan. Um, But one thing that I've observed and I've kind of watched is people's love for God and other people turning cold. And I think that is a concern. I know that that's not God's heart. I know that um, we have to recognize. Um, I believe that God wants us. He wants unity, which you've heard Pastor Jeff say in many weeks. And there's a lot of things in this world that are trying to divide us. But it's important that we recognize it and stay together. Amen? Amen. So the Bible talks about this very thing, and, uh, which is exactly where I came up with the title, The Love of Many Will Grow Cold. Because I believe we need to realize that and then adjust accordingly. So that will actually start in Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 12 in the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us what, when will all this happen, what sign will signal your return and the end of the world. Jesus told them, do not let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place. But the end will not follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. But there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Now, that's a lot to take in. But Jesus is telling us that there's some things that we need to be aware of. And I believe a lot of that stuff, if you agree, is happening, is going on, right? So, Jesus is clearly warning us of coming persecution for following him. False messiahs and prophets will arise. Dramatic changes in weather and shortages of supplies happening, right? Threats of wars, which is a direct result of hatred between people and nations. Look at Afghanistan. And sin or lawlessness, which will be rampant. So, obviously, the love of God will be affected. Lawlessness basically means people will stop following rules. Do we see that? (laughs) But I believe to better understand Jesus' warnings in this passage, I had to look at what it meant when he uses the word love in that statement. This is a word that you've heard for several weeks. And Jesus, when he uses that word love here, it's from the Greek word agape. Right? We've heard that which means unconditional, submissive, unselfish, or obedient love. This is a love that does what is right regardless of how I feel about it. It is a self-sacrificing love as Jesus displayed when he died on the cross to pay the price for our sin. Doesn't get any more self-sacrificing than that, right? But I have learned the more sin that I allow in my life, the more my love becomes conditional, selfish, and unsubmissive. And that's a problem. You see, sin is rebellion, which will allow my love to turn cold as a result. Sin will always distract me. And a perfect example of this is found in Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 through 5 in the New Living Translation, where Jesus says, or God says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Um, If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Anytime that I have disobeyed, or shifted my focus off of God's standard of righteousness or holiness, meaning forgive, his forgiveness, his kindness, or being compassionate. It always opens the door for my agape love for God to turn cold. You know, I can share with you a time I didn't make God my first love. Um, it was years ago. I was a young kid, and uh, money. I made money my main thing. Um, my So my mind was totally focused on how much money I could earn. Um, So I went from job to job, you know, again, seeking to make as much money as I could, but the only problem with that was is I never asked God about those employment decisions. So naturally, I was doing it on my own accord or my own merit, but, you know, just like all guys, you know, I wanted all the toys and the fancy cars and different stuff. But what I realized is... Through a conversation with a coworker, he had talked to me about tithing and Malachi 3.10 and give 10% of your income, God will open up the floodgates. So when I decided to make that decision, my finances did increase. But I realized that that money was not just for me alone, but it was for me to bless others and to help build God's kingdom. So the lesson was, God has to be first in all my decisions if I wanted his best. In this world, there will always be things competing for my time. And God has a plan for me, so other things will try to come in my life and push my agape love for God out. Have you ever noticed when it's time to read your Bible or when it's time to spend time in prayer, something distraction always pops up? I mean, somebody calls, you get tired all of a sudden, you know, anything. Anything. A good movie comes on. Well, the enemy does not want me to grow closer to Christ or obey his commands. The enemy chooses to distract me sometimes with material wealth, selfish desires, so that my focus on God becomes non-existent. See, you have to remember, he thought he was, should be exalted over God. So he hates God. We're God's creation, so he hates us. So we have to understand that, that there's always, there's a reason. In 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, in the um, Passion Translation. Now, when I read this, this is extremely revealing of exactly what's going on today. It says, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves to their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right, With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their own conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of the world more than the pleasures of the loving God. They may pretend to have respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like this. Now... I believe we're supposed to, God teaches us to love people through it, because as I read that, I was guilty of many of those things. Like I told you, my money was focused, and it does say obsessed with money, so guilty. But I believe sometimes we don't want to follow people down that path of sin, but we want to pray for them and always love them through it, just like somebody loved me through it. In in these times, when these times come, I believe we just have to recognize where we're at and draw closer to God. And that's what really repentance is, to turn away from what we're doing and realize that God is the way and not ours. So here's a question. What do we do to make sure that my love for God does not grow cold? Obey his commandments as stated in John chapter 14 verses 15 in the easy-to-read version. Which, where Jesus says, if you love me, you will do what I command. Jesus is looking to, for me to trust him enough to do it his way and not my own. How do I submit to his authority and his plan? Well, for me, I joined the usher ministry. My willingness to do announcements, which I did last week. Get involved in vacation Bible school. Huge blessing. And I assisted in building some events for the men here. So really, connection is key. This happened. This is also a process, and this is a process that I've been through for over 17 years. But I've learned that the more available I make myself, the more opportunity for me to grow in my walk with God. There's two examples that I, in the Bible... Then I'm going to go through now. One is Noah, which is funny because Taylor did that that joke about Noah. I just smiled when he said that. <clears throat> but the, these are two great examples of obedience and how God has a plan and why we should obey. So we're going to go to the Genesis chapter six, verses nine through twenty-two, also in the New Living Translation. We're going to skip around a little bit in there, but you'll see my point as we go through it. Um, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close relationship with God. Now, if you skip down to verse 14 through 16, God tells Noah to build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out, construct the decks and stalls throughout the interior, make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Leave an 18 inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat lower, middle, upper. You see, at this time, it had never rained. So here's this guy building a boat and probably looked like a crazy man. When it had never rained, you're like, what is this dude doing? But God always has a plan, amen? So God's decision was to flood the earth and destroy every living creature in it because the world at that time was filled with corruption and violence. If you go to verse 19, God also says, bring a pair of every kind of animal and bird, male and female, on the boat. You go to verse 22, It says, Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. So God was very specific about how he wanted the boat built and what he wanted on the boat, right? So what's the result of that obedience? No, Noah and his seven family members were saved from the flood due to his obedience and love for God. So there again, sometimes it doesn't make sense. But God clearly has a plan, and Noah and those animals were saved because of that. Here's something to think about. Noah died, or Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters covered the earth. He was on that boat with the animals for 150 days until the waters were gone. But Noah died at 950 years old. So his it, his obedience and love for God was definitely a process, but I could argue, man, that's a long time to live. Like, that's some longevity there. Well, well, that's also biblical too. So Exodus chapter 20, verses 12, which isn't gonna be up here, in the New King James Version says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be upon, belong upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. So clearly, Another blessing to that is some longevity in your life. Another good reason to obey God. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 7, God told Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left with his wife, his nephew Lot, which he wasn't supposed to bring, his wealth, his livestock, and they headed to the land of Canaan. They traveled through the land as far as Shechem that was inhabited by the Canaanites. Now in verse seven, God appears to Abraham and says, I will give this land to your descendants. So you see another reward for Abraham's love and obedience to God. See, this is why it's important to obey. There's always a reward or a better plan in store. I've learned that I must have faith that God has a perfect plan that leads to an abundant life. The result will be a transformation from the inside out. The result, oh, excuse me. John, in chapter John, or in John chapter 13, verses 34 in the NIV, Jesus says, a new command I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you you must love one another by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another so if i choose to love others this way people will see jesus in me correct so here's something that i thought about when i was going through this does anybody remember pastor jeff's what he said the vision that god gave him for the church was in 2021 does anybody remember that? He says in 2021, we, we will reveal the sun." That's exactly what that scripture is pointing to, right? They'll know us by our love for one another. Good stuff. <laughs> God is good, man. Now I want to share with you three things to watch out for that will try to compete with your agape love for God. One is self The other is money, and the other is pleasures. And I'm going to throw myself underneath the bus. I used to spend most of my time doing what I wanted to do. Of course, you know, I was young, I was single. It was really all about me. Not that it was right, but... But then I started to read God's word, and God says to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So now, I have to make an adjustment. So... Now, I spend it with my family, my co-workers, and my church family, discussing God and my need for him. So there again, it always goes back to what does the Bible say. I said earlier that my decision to tithe to RLC allowed God to increase my finances instead of me trying to work multiple jobs to earn enough to live on. So again, Malachi 3.10 and applying that. And seeing the fruit of that. As far as pleasures, well, who doesn't like pleasures? But they can't be our main focus, right? I mean, we all like clothes, cars, entertainment, jewelry, you know. Some of us like watches. <laughs> but we just can't allow them to be more important than God, I think is the message. I remember a time when the Lord spoke to me about some areas in my life that I needed to change. And some of them, honestly, were unhealthy. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 33 in the New Living Translation says, bad company corrupts good character. So basically that was telling me that some of my relationships, I really had to stop hanging around certain people because they just weren't following Christ. And because God didn't want me to start adopting that behavior because Trust me, I had enough to repent from. <laughs> I had to kind of love them from a distance. Um, when I allowed God to help me find my wife, instead of me trying to choose the woman, another bad decision on my part, <laughs> the, the reward was a fruitful marriage of almost 15 years and counting, plus two great kids. Actually, today's my daughter's birthday. I got many promotions at my job that I've been at for over 20 years of service because God's word says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I just took that. I applied it to how I served people, my attitude, my work ethic, and 20 years later, here I am. When I got involved in ministry here at the church, um, at that time, I, I had um, gotten to a life care group, and then I went. I was in a life care assistant. After many years, I started off as an usher. I was an assistant head usher. Now I'm the head usher. So again, connection, progress, God promotes blessings in all of it, right? So to sum up, this issue of our agape love for God. I have to be aware that my love doesn't turn cold by loving, obeying, and submitting to his commands. I have learned to be intentional about setting aside time to read God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to guide me in his truth. Through prayer and worship, I can strengthen my relationship with him. The more I trust him, the more I do what is right. And not what is popular. Jesus stated that the love of many will grow cold, to not only as a warning, but as an observation of what he sees happening when my focus is no longer on him. He is telling me my love has shifted off of him and onto something else. I should always be aware of the things that try to steal time away from God. The enemy knows his time to distract you is short, so he tries to confuse and distort the truth so that I don't see God for who he is. I hope this message serves as an encouragement to stay the course of following Jesus, spreading the good news of love, spending time with your friends and family, so that when difficult times come, your love for Christ will stand strong. So if this message tugged at your heart and you realize you need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, can we do that now? If nobody needs that, then I trust that all of you have made that decision, and that's a good thing. But I just want to pray as we end the service. So, Lord, I thank you for this message and giving us the strength to not only hear it, but to apply it to our everyday lives. I thank you for always loving us through the storms of life, and that your word is a light for our path. Lord, be with everyone throughout the week, and allow them to make a great impact for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Enjoy the rest of your day, and God bless you.